Well, John, it's February, so it feels a little strange saying Happy New Year, but Happy New Year to everyone and to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, it, it feels like we're well into it. Although, of course, yeah. lots of lots of my friends uh, in Asia, they've just been celebrating Chinese New Year, of course, so nice. they, they get two bites at that, which is fabulous. I, I actually said to some of them who I follow and connect with on Instagram, please stop putting the food pictures <laughs> on Instagram. I'm I want to eat my phone because you're putting that stuff up. So I, I, I would love to do Chinese New Year one year, David. We gotta do yeah. that. We've got to do two text podcasts one year from oh, yeah. Singapore or something or oh, yeah. from out there and sitting sitting together round a a table full of wonderful Chinese food celebrating New Year. What 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 do you reckon? Oh, goodness. Like, it's early in the morning for me, and I'm still fancying that. The closest <laughs> I got, I was in Singapore. Oh, goodness. I don't even want to say how many years ago it was now, just after Chinese New Year, and which was great, by the way, because I stayed in one of the top hotels in Singapore for the price of a motel <laughs> because everybody had left and nobody wanted to be there anymore. And yeah. I remember the taxi driver dropping me off outside this this hotel and me saying, I think you've made a mistake. I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be staying. I didn't pay enough for this. But we were, it was really fortunate because Singapore was really quiet, but all of the kind of foods and special stalls and all that were still set up. Oh. And I remember this one street that just had food carts all the way along the street. And I would say, um, aware of all of the, the sins of greed, but I was in a mess by the end of that street. <laughs> Come on. Come on, absolutely. I can still taste it. It was so good. Bugger. So, John, we've been um, we've been away mm. and taking a bit of break, and we're not kind of really back. This is us just dropping in to say hi, to say that we're working on an exciting series for Lent, sort of yep. beginning of March. So Lent begins yep. March second. So we're working on an exciting series for then. But uh, we wanted to sort of just drop in, didn't we, and say hi to everyone, because maybe some people are saying, oh, well, uh, we thought you might be back by now. When's the next podcast coming? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've been, I've been just blessed by people getting in touch or when I've been traveling around the United Kingdom, going to different churches, just back from a ministry weekend in Belfast last weekend. And the amount of people sending me, number one, we're so enjoying two text podcasts. Like I've been blown away by that. And also, when's the next episode? One, one guy actually said to me, I've caught up on all the Christmas stuff. When's the next one? And so I've been explaining just as people have asked. So, so of course we've been, we've been doing some, some stuff that we've been leaning into that we needed to do, but we're really, I'm really excited about getting back. And, and talking about this fabulous new series we're going to do over Lent, which I think I think our listeners will really appreciate and enjoy. And I think I'm going to say that if you're angry at the fact that Two Tax is not back yet, it's probably mostly my fault. So I'm going to take the blame <laughs> on that one. Um, John, it's not John. So if you see John in your church at some point over the next week or two, don't don't be angry at him. It's it's the Canadian half of Two Tax that's causing all the problems. So I just just as we sort of finished up the last recordings, the Christmas series that we did, mm. I I got a new job, and uh, well, I'm still still at the same church, but have a new role in the church. So so I'm now lead pastor at the church and, and lead pastor just for a short period of time until we're restructuring the church, really, John's how it's working. And and so what we're going to do is actually have a co-lead model. So we're going to go with a team leadership model with me. Mm. And we're just beginning the search for somebody else to, to sort of lead alongside me and, 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 and lead the church, lead the church going forward. But at the moment, I'm kind of 
I, I'm I'm yep. the co-lead pastor doing both co-lead pastor jobs, so I think that makes me the lead pastor. Is 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 how, is how that works? And, um, Absolutely, and and um, of course, some of us have have had that experience of of moving. For, forgive this language. I hope our listeners forgive me for using this sort of language. Moving from a from a sort of a support role in a team, or some people would even use a language of the second chair. I, I mean, these are these are not biblical terms, of course, but mm. you step up from being a sort of a support to maybe a, a person who's known as a senior leader, and then you step into a lead role. And my goodness, it's one step, but it's a different world. And <laughs> and for those who listen to us who are in leadership and caring for people as well as teaching people, that's huge. I I remember my father, who's now in heaven, and my my dad was for a number of years assistant pastor. Came into ministry very very late in life for him, so he was in his fifties when he came into ministry, in terms of serving as a pastor type role. And I remember him stepping up from sort of assistant pastor type language, which he would use to taking over the church. And I said to him, Daddy, you will experience a massive shift. I'm telling you, <laughs> you, you there, there's a difference. And my dad, I remember my dad saying to me, no, son, it'll be fine. Church, same church, same people, same stuff. What mm. what could be that different? And then he was six months in the job. And he came back and he said, do you know that thing you said about like it being really... <laughs> different leading the church rather than sort of being in the in the number two chair he said you were right and i said well it's it's just it's because you're you're stepping into a new level of of authority and 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 you've been grappling with huge stuff over the new year in january david so Mm -hmm. it was right to it was right to step back and allow you to settle into a a brand new role two Mm -hmm. two texts is our hobby but this is your (laughs) this is your calling and job my friend so um So it was right to step back and give you that bit of breathing space to adjust. No, and I appreciate I appreciate the time and space, and and it's exciting to take the time, and even the even the whole journey of of trying to find a co lead pastor has been exciting because there's I feel like it's probably no surprise to our listeners there's a sort of biblical drive behind that. One of the things I've long noticed in in the in the telling of the story of the church in the early church that team seems to be a big feature of how they lead the leading partnership. Sorry. So many of Paul's letters are written and he's with somebody else and he goes on missionary journeys with somebody else. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited for this sort of process to say, well, what would it look like to try and do that in a modern church context and to, and to lead without the kind of one person, you know, in charge of everything, but but do this sort of team and conversation at, at every level. So two text listeners will be happy to know that I did ask John to take the job but he is too committed to, too committed to to keeping his sausage dogs in England. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure your church would cope with two Celts uh, working together, and especially a Liverpool supporting and Man United supporting Celt. I mean, we love Jesus. It's Jesus that really binds us together. But our our soccer teams would 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 quickly drive us apart. But no, I I I'm thrilled for you, David. I'm so excited. <laughs> And it'll be great maybe in the months to come to get little updates on how you guys are doing and exploring a whole new world for you. And it's I, for our listeners, I've been to Westside and it's a, a beautiful church, lovely people, beautiful city. Calgary is is just a gorgeous. It's a great part of the world to live. But mm. but of course, you, you've been led there by the Lord and your family 
and that you're leaning into a, a great call. And I'm excited about your future, my friend. I really am. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you so much. And one of these days, either I'll end up back in the UK if travel allowances happen, or you can come over and uh, visit us in Westside. And maybe we could do a two text in person live or something like come that. Come so on. People could How see exciting us would that be? In the same um, space. I'll wear my but, but Man listen, United listen. shirt and you could wear your Liverpool shirt. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but listen, if if I go back to Calgary, it can't be in the winter, okay? It can't, okay? It was magnificent and you you were very kind to me. I mean, I, I, we, we got to do just incredible thing together. But I remember stepping out of your home at minus 37. Minus, <laughs> I mean, the moisture in my nose. I remember feeling... Why is my nose going all spiky? The moisture in my nose froze, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And I was like, what is going on? Minus 37. I guess not. I, I mean, that's oh, yeah. not even, that's that's not even normal. That's not, how You've can gotta anyone know. survive that? You've got to know that my family still remember that moment. And Laura, my wife, still talks about it. Do you remember when John opened the door? Because I don't know if you remember this or not, but when the door opened, you actually audibly reacted. You went, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Minus 37. I I thought people made that stuff up, but it was real. It was real in Calgary. And and the amazing thing to, to any of our listeners who are from the UK, we get a... We get a flake of snow and our country shuts down. <laughs> Calgary, they're like minus 40 in the middle of a Chinook. And these people are still going to work and the kids <laughs> are still going to school and they're still smiling and they're still polite. It's just remarkable idea. Uh-huh. Uh, Canadians really could help us with dealing with the, the wilds of our winter. So absolutely. So hopefully, hopefully next time I go, it's a plus. Uh, any number in the plus, David, will be fine. Uh, any number in the plus will be fine. Calgary is a city of extremes because then this summer we had some days where we were up, like like there was a period of a, of a week or so, we were up in the high 30s. And so wow. you're, you're, over the course of, of any one year, you might have mm-hmm. a 70-degree swing of temperatures from, from summer to to winter you have a lot of different pairs of shoes and a lot of different coats let me just just say that Um, and so while i've been uh, sort of learning uh, new things you've been you've been writing john i think you've you've just kind of coming towards the end of or or finished another book project Yes, yes. I'm very, very excited about it. I've been doing some writing on a young man called John Mark, and some of our our listeners will have stumbled across John Mark. There there are nine beautiful direct New Testament references to this young man. And of course, he his life begins with a bit of controversy in terms of the biblical text. He he, I love Dr. Luke. When Dr. Luke writes the book of Acts, he says that John Mark left them at Perga, and then mm. that's the and the them there is Barnabas and and Paul, and mm. then when Barnabas and Paul sort of have a bit of a to do over John Mark, Paul says, "No, Thank he you. deserted us. He deserted us." So, uh, really, the story that what I'm writing, David, is it's it's going to be called Second Chance: The Fall and Rise of John Mark, and um, I have to say, David, I found it profoundly emotional writing it. I found it. Mm really really deeply challenging in terms of the challenges around being a John Mark and the challenges around helping those who find themselves in a a Mm. situation where they're hitting some difficulties and how we restore and Mm. reclaim and release people 
back into great ministry. And of course, the 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 story of John Mark is a great one in that it ends it ends so well. Mm. And you get this gorgeous movement from someone who's deemed unfit by Paul to being called useful. And mm. in the most tender way. It's just absolutely gorgeous. So yeah. so it's 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 coming out hopefully, hopefully in Easter. I'm very excited about it. And I've I've just loved so the that January gave me the time to land some of the final deadlines mm. around that and and get that off to the to the publisher and stuff. So that's been yeah. great. That's right. So, so that that will be out and available around about Easter time. Then you think, yeah? Hope so, because yeah. Well, it would be great because the whole theme of the book is fall but rise, and of course Easter, that sort of life resurrection theme. It would be a great. Mm. It, it's not a deal breaker if it's not, but if we could get something out for Easter or for the the springtime, yeah. it'll be really really good. So that that's the goal anyway. We'll we'll, we'll we'll keep you posted. Yes, no, we can we can keep people in touch on the podcast about that. And your books are available in print and Kindle uh, ebook format generally, aren't they? Is that right? Yes, yes, the the, yeah. the latest ones are. So yeah, if, if people are interested in that, they can get those and and have a wee look. So yeah, I I, I enjoy the process. I love. You, you, I mean, you you know what it's like, even as a preacher and and also someone who's done some serious writing yourself. You once. Once you write something, it, it feels like you are in, you're committed mm. to this. And, and I'm very conscious. Like I, sometimes I think, why would anyone read anything I have to say, uh, I've written? Mm. But but you're hoping you're making some sort of positive contribution to mm. a love for Jesus, a love a love for each other, and, and hopefully a genuine understanding of who we are in Christ and what we're here to achieve. So if if something you write helps someone to do that, it's always a great blessing, really. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, you're, you're, I'm not sure I am a writer. I I think every word that you ever read of mine, if I, I've got a few projects on the go at the minute that need to get, I need to get <laughs> some some movement on. I've got a contract to write a commentary on Galatians and, cool. and I, I'm, I'm trying to think through a process at the moment about how to take some of my work on my doctoral thesis and turn that into mm-hmm. something that, I mean, honestly, somebody said this once about doctoral theses, like nobody's interested, not even your mom. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and to be fair, that's true. I've, I met, I'm talking to someone this week who's actually found my doctoral thesis and read it. Uh, and I was like, poor, poor person. But I still believe that some of the stuff I worked in that actually would be really helpful because my thesis wrestled around Paul's notions of equality. Mm. And when the world's so divided, I feel like it could be some interesting things to write about. But honestly, if you ever read a word of mine, know that every every word is stained with blood and a lot of coffee. <laughs> so I, I remember saying to one of my friends during my thesis, because I mean, the first draft of my thesis was about 120,000 words, I think. And um, I remember saying to somebody that honestly if you'd asked me just to sit and talk my thesis i'd be okay with it but writing it is just you whereas i think you're a more natural writer than i am (laughs) well it it was funny like doing doing my master's and phd was the was a bit of a catalyst i'd I'd always sort of felt deep down that i'd end up writing something even though Mm -hmm. i've i've never regarded myself as sort of the, the cleverest person in the room. I've always struggled in certain elements of my education and had to work hard at them. But deep down I was new. So like was in my first little church, I remember going learning to touch type. 
Mm. And people said to me, why are you learning to touch type? I just, because I knew I was going to need to touch type in order to write. Mm. And so glad I did that. But certainly doing my master's and my PhD definitely catalyzed my, my passion um, for writing. R- r- really funny. I mean, this is funny for people like us. It's probably not funny for everybody. But I remember stumbling the first 500 words of my master's, my first essay mm. my master's, took me like a day to write the first couple of hundred words, David. It was like Mm. pulling teeth out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I don't think I can do this. How can I do this? (laughs) By the end of my PhD, I had, so I struggled to write those first 4,000 words for that first essay. By the end of my PhD, I had written 23,000 words in my footnotes. Mm -hmm. Twenty. Th- I had more words in my footnotes than were in my master's dissertation, yeah. and you're going, how did how did that happen? I have no idea how that happened, David. I, I'm thinking, it, it feels like my twin brother or something wrote that, and then I got the credit. I I yeah. do not. I I genuinely. I I look at. Uh, my PhD, and and you're right, not even our mothers read it, but I looked at my PhD, <laughs> think, did I really write that? And it's remarkable. It's a remarkable yeah. journey where you go from like stumbling over a few words mm. to seven, eight, nine years later, you're you're mm. pumping out like over 100,000 words and it's just remarkable yeah. growth. And it's a great encouragement to anybody. Just keep going and growing yes. and you never know what it'll produce. So, no, and that's, and it's something I suppose that, that turns around your story of John Mark, doesn't it? That oh, that, that, that cool. just keep going and, and growing, and and of course I don't want to give anything away from your book, but of course tradition has him as a gospel writer. So for sure, if, if for you sure. can begin, if you can begin causing a great rift between the power couple that is Paul and Barnabas, and end up as a gospel writer, it's quite, it is quite well, beautiful. It, it isn't was. It? It, it, it is, David. It was striking coincidentally or God incidentally. I was reading the Gospel of Mark as I was just landing the last couple of chapters of the book. And in that we lean into the fact he's, he is this gospel writer. And, mm. and, and I was reminded of the beginning of Mark's gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus mm. Christ, the Son of God. Mm. And, and I just saw the incredible, I had a little moment, David, where the, the, the Hebrew scriptures open up with mm. seven glorious words in Hebrew, and Mark opens his gospel with seven mm. glorious words in Greek. Because and I thought, funny, isn't it? that's so cool. How <laughs> did that happen? And, and you're going, oh my goodness. And I literally, David, no kidding, I just started crying. I'm sitting there in mm. front of my word processor and I'm thinking, here's a kid that did a runner. Paul says, not really sure he's up to it. Barnabas says, let's give him another go. And a few years later, he writes seven mm. words in Greek that began yeah. a story that changed yeah. the world. Come yeah. on. Come Phenomenal, on. isn't it? Oh, mate, I've got goose pimples just thinking about it. It's a, it's a remarkable story. Yeah. So, Well, I'm excited to read it, John. I, uh, Bless you. You're very kind. Yeah. It'll be it'll be you and Dawn perhaps reading it. So thank you, thank you for reading. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's not even true. That there's so many more people will, will will be excited to read that. And and maybe maybe after it comes out, we'll we'll grab an episode or two of the podcast and talk about it in a little more depth and, and sort that'd of be, explore that. Would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, well, John, let's uh, let's let everyone get back to their to their other things that they're doing. So this was us just kind of dropping in and saying hi, and you can tell we've missed each other. So we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of uh, all sorts of things together, but you know it's great 
to know that you're doing well, John. The sausage dogs are uh, are doing well as <laughs> as well. We see them on Instagram from time to time, so we know they're we know they're well. And 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 I'm surviving the cold uh, <laughs> with well done, uh, o- over here. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back at the beginning of March with with our Lent series of two texts. Thanks for being patient with us as we just navigate life, and and I'm sure you will. Um, Still be there for us to listen and, and and reach out if you need anything from us between that. If you've got questions, go back and listen to some of those episodes again on the parables and the miracles. Beautiful thing about scripture is that you can dive into it again and again and again. So, John, great to hear from you, and I'm glad you're well. <laughs> and you, my friend, and uh, keep going for it. And I am very excited about our next series together. Bless you, man.